why don't you just maybe close your eyes if you want to give honor and glory to God this morning lift your hands up in in the sky like a sign of surrender let's just take a big deep drink of the spirit of God Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence here we're so honored that you would come and join us Lord we're refreshed by you refilled by you you make every burden light it is such a joy to walk with the Lord we love you God be with us here this morning speak to us help us grow us in Jesus name amen amen you're a handsome looking bunch it's probably because the lights are down I can't see you properly you can be seated you can be seated thank you guys oh lights are coming up turns out you're just as handsome well done <laughs> uh, was it a save I don't know <laughs> well it's good to be here this morning I'm in my third week of uh, our series why Jesus and I wanted to con- to start by continuing uh, my recaps of conversations with my three-year-old his name is James and we had quite a deep conversation the other day Uh, he started to ask me about death so we're going to jump right into the deep end and he wanted to know if he was going he said daddy am I going to die he's three I said yes mate you are but not for a very long time longer than you can even imagine and he said are you going to die daddy I said I too am going to die but not for a long time what about Orma that's my mum is Orma going to die I said yeah she's going to die but she's strong she's healthy and so she also is not going to die for a long time we hope he says I think I'm going to die first and then you're going to die, Daddy, and then Omar's going to die. I said, well, that's, that's sort of lovely, um, but probably improbable. <laughs> I said, Omar is on the older side, so it's likely that she'll probably be the first one to die. Maybe, maybe not. And then he looks at me and he says, Daddy, which bin do we go in when we die? <laughs> I said, what? We don't go in the bin. He said, no. Oma and Opa had a chicken that died and they put it in the compost bin. <clears throat> and I sort of started to piece together, like, it's quite confusing, you know? We've got a blue bin, a yellow bin, a green bin, a compost bin, a worm farm. We've got a soft plastics bin. It's like, that's confusing, right? He just wants to know, which bin do we go in? I said, well, mate, you know, for humans, we want to honor the life of the person. So we don't put them in, uh, in the bin. Um, everybody gets a box made of wood, and then we put them in the box. We don't put, it's kind of like a special purpose bin. 
uh, that's made just for them. And we put them in the box and then we put the box in the ground or we burn the box and then spread the ashes. He said, okay. He said, so everybody dies. I said, Here's an opportunity. I said, everybody does die. I said, even Jesus died. I said, but three days later, after Jesus died, he came back from the dead. He came back to life. What? How? I said, well, God raised him up from the dead. He raised him back to life so that so that we could see that he has power even over death. Looks at me, he says, wow. How many planets are there? <laughs> okay, that conversation's obviously over. <clears throat> but I started to think about his eyes lighting up saying, wow. And I started to think, you know, it's easy when you know the story to get real familiar. And it's like, it's just, yeah, Jesus died and he rose again. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could put on the glasses, the, the eyes, the lens of a child, as if we're, we're hearing that story for the first time. Jesus died and after he was dead for three days, he came back to life. Why? Because God has power even over death. He wanted to show that to us and give us access as well to power over death. So James wants to know what happens to us when we die. And in this series, Why Jesus? Uh, well, we're, gonna, we're tackling this morning, why did Jesus rise from the dead? Is that good? Excellent. I think uh, all of us want to have hope for the future. And we want to have hope for the future, not just after death, but before death as well would be nice, right? So not just miserable until the end, and then finally everything can be fixed. And so that's what we're doing this morning. J. John, who is a, a canon in the Anglican Church, was asked on a TV interview, what do you think about miracles? He said, ah, the greatest miracle is the resurrection of Jesus. Why is that important? He said, because if you're in, lost in the forest and you're walking down the path and you come to a fork in the road and you don't know which way to go, on one side is a dead man lying there, on the other side is a man who is alive. Which man do you ask for directions? You ask the live man, right? Jesus is alive. He's available for you to ask him for directions. There are many prophets and religious leaders who've gone before him all of whom are dead, and they are not available to ask for directions. Jesus is available that you might ask him directions. <clears throat> and this has been kind of confusing to me in the past. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? Because in his death, our sins are forgiven, right? And so it's kind of like, it, it almost feels like the job is done. So why couldn't he die for our sins and then that's it. We're done with it. Why did he have to uh, rise from the dead? Like, Jesus was the ultimate lamb of God. And before that, they had actual lambs that they would sacrifice. And they'd put the sin on the lambs and then kill the lamb so that the sin would be killed with it. 
Um, but none of those lambs, as far as I know, rose from the dead, right? They just died and the sin died with it. So Jesus was like, I don't know if it's like ultra efficiency. He's like, guys, there's a waste of lambs. Or uh, if he's just thinking, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get over and done with it once and for all. And he's going to be the ultimate lamb of God. But he dies. So why the raising from the dead? Why is that different in Jesus? Let's imagine for a second if he had only died and stayed dead. I think other than the fact that the disciples would have been probably discouraged to the point of it's just the same as every other one before. That would be the image of half, like one side of a two-sided coin. The death and the resurrection go together. Our old sinful nature would be put to death with Jesus on the cross and our sins would be forgiven. But we would not be released into new life that God has for us that is symbolized by the resurrection. And I think sometimes, even though we have the resurrection, some of us live only with the death of Christ and not with the resurrection. We haven't actually allowed him to bring us into the new life that he has planned for us. And so that's why this is a really important question. I'm not here to give you one of life's great answers this morning, but I want to equip you with one of life's great questions. What is the new life that God has for me? You can ask yourself that same question, not about me, but about yourself. John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief's, the, th the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus talking, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He's talking about himself as the ultimate shepherd and us as the sheep. And his purpose for us as a shepherd is to give us a rich and satisfying life. It's not only to protect us and make sure nothing bad happens to us. He wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. So his death on the cross is the death of our sins that separate us from God. But his rising from the dead is our birth into a new life that's in Christ. What does it mean to live in Christ? Another one of life's great questions. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul writes, this is how he sees the death and resurrection. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Now, it doesn't take much to figure out. He's speaking like metaphorically, right? He's alive writing this. And he didn't also get crucified and rise again. Okay, so I think you got that, didn't you? Does anyone not? Okay, you're not going to admit that. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus didn't want just for your sins to be forgiven. He wanted to give you a whole new life. And so I would like for us this morning to take a moment for you to look at your life and consider Paul's words. He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So how does your life compare to a life where Christ is living in you and he's working through you? Does your life look like Jesus walking around on earth? Because that sounds like that's the plan that there would be billions of new Jesuses walking around on earth. 
How does he do that? Well, by the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So just as Jesus was the visible image of an invisible God, you and I as believers are called to be images and reflections of Jesus, the Son of God. Justine once taught me, where's Justine? Hello, Justine. Justine once taught me, nature abhors a vacuum. Turn to the person next to you, help me preach, say, nature abhors a vacuum. Some of you are like, that's awesome because I hate doing the vacuuming. So I'm not going to have to do that this week. <laughs> okay, so nature abhors a vacuum. When you have a vacuum, if you, let's imagine you have a container and you suck all the air out of that container. So it's now a vacuum. It takes immense force and structure to maintain the container when there's a vacuum on the inside. Everything around it is fighting to get into the vacuum and fill it. Has anybody got those vacuum sealed bags where you, I love those things. You know, <clears throat> you put, pack all your clothes in, zip the bag up, get the vacuum cleaner and suck all the air out and gets to like half the size and it goes and it gets all crinkly, and you're like, this is so space-saving, it's not even funny. You put it up in the cupboard, and then you come back three months later, and something has broken the vacuum, and it's all puffed up and useless, useless. So that's a structure that is not rigid enough to maintain its form when you seal, when you seal it, when you create the vacuum on the inside. So... <clears throat> You need a strong structure to maintain a vacuum because everything's trying to get in, even the plastic that tries to get in. Uh, if you fill a container with something that you actually want in there, like a liquid, for example, all the surrounding elements need to either mix with it or replace it to be able to get in. So there's no pressure because there's no vacuum. It just is. And who's scientifically minded? How am I going here? Brett? Five out of ten? It's making sense? Eight! Yes! I don't know that much about vacuums. I've seen those bags. That's about it. Okay, so what's this got to do with Jesus? You might ask, and rightfully so. Our bodies are like a vessel. And God's purpose for us is that His Spirit would live within us. If we only have one side of the equation, which would be like forgiveness of sin, and we try then to just be rid of sin without the resurrection and the new life and the spirit inside us, that's like trying to create a vacuum inside of us without putting new contents in us. So when, you aim to when your aim is to just stop sinning, that you will find there is great pressure. Whatever you take out, there is great pressure that comes to fill the void. And often it's so much pressure, you can't maintain your structure and you just let the sin back in. If the aim is stop sinning, you're going to find great pressure surrounding you and pressing into you. And 
If you can maintain it, it's often people whose lives are so rigid that they can maintain their shape and because they're just so full of ultra-strong, uh, rigid discipline to maintain their perfect vacuum. But that means that if you break the vacuum, then the container breaks. Okay, so that's not what we're meant to do though, right? We, what we're meant to do is be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit leads us into all righteousness. And then you don't need to create a vacuum where you're trying to get rid of all the bad stuff. So here's how I think about it. Has anybody seen that Snickers ad? Everyone's seen the Snickers ad, haven't they? Where it's like, there's a guy who's like really angry and he comes in with a tank and it's like, you're hungry, have a Snickers. And then he eats the Snickers and it turns out he's just a regular guy, but he was really angry because, but like the, the actor changes. Um, and the idea is like, you know, you're not yourself when you're hangry, right? Hungry? Hangry? Do they say hangry? I don't know. Has it, hand, can, I, can I have a show of hands? Who's seen the Snickers ad? Okay, so I'm glad I gave you the example at least. Okay, so you change when you're hungry, right? So, I mean, I wouldn't recommend having a Snickers. It's not a particularly balanced meal. <laughs> like, if you're actually hungry, you should just eat something normal. Uh, but I like the idea. If you're hungry, then have some food. Don't, the anger is a sign that maybe you're hungry. That's what they're getting at. If you notice that in your life, you are living with sin, and you take the Snickers ad as an example, maybe the sin is a flag for you to say you have something else that you need. Maybe you need a drink. Maybe you need a drink from the Spirit. I've found that I get to the evening, and I'm like, I just need some chocolate. And then I'll have a bit of chocolate. I need some more chocolate, more chocolate. And I'm like, it's just not, it's like chocolate is delicious, don't get me wrong. But uh, it's somehow not satisfying the, the craving that I have. And it took me a little while to figure out, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty, but I've, I've got this craving inside me. And it's like, I need something. And so I'll go to the chocolate when what I should do is have a glass of water. I think we do the same. You have a need inside you. You've got like a vacuum, a hole that needs to be filled. And so sometimes we go to the flesh because we're looking for some kind of craving to fulfill uh, the need that we have when actually we're thirsty. It's like the Snickers ad. If you're thirsty, then you need a drink from the Spirit. If you find yourself living with sin, go and have a drink from the Spirit. Just like Jesus... Uh, didn't just die to stop the punishment from sin. He also rose again so that our new life could be free from sin. Romans 8 verse 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, then you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We need to turn to the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, drink from the Spirit, and then we will be satisfied. Would you stand with me? I'm going to finish with a story. I, I used to be a leader in youth, 
And we did that for many years, me and my wife, Kirsty. And then we handed it over to uh, this champion young man in the front row, Cody, who's now leading with his wife, Mariah, uh, who's also a champion. Uh, and on the last youth service that we went to, Cody gave us a lemon tree. And that lemon tree is going strong, by the way. It's about ready for a new pot, lots of big branches. And I, I was standing on stage and I thought, I've kind of got one opportunity to say one last thing to all these young people. So what, what am I going to say? What would you say? If you're speaking to a group of 50-odd youth, you're like, okay, parting wisdom. Well, I was holding a lemon tree. So came up with something that was fitting. I said, you know, the world would say when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But I think there's something better. All of us have a lemon of a life. But when you give God the lemon of your life, he makes the world's best lemonade. And that's an image, I think, of what you and I are called to do in response to the resurrection of Jesus. His rising from the dead is a promise to us that we can be raised into a whole new life. But just like the disciples gave Jesus a little bit of bread and fish, and he multiplied it. We're to give who we are and what we have into his hands so that he might breathe whole new life into us. So we're going to sing in a minute because I want to just give you some time to breathe in and drink in the Spirit. We'll celebrate the resurrection together and celebrate the new life that he offers us. But before we do that, I would love for you to just close your eyes so you can spend a moment. And I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would help us open our eyes to the wonder that is the resurrection. Just like James's eyes were open when he heard it for the first time, I pray that this morning you would fill our hearts with a sense of wonder that you rose from the dead and you did that so that we could see you have power even over death. And Lord, I'm asking that you would put a hope on the inside of every one of us, a hope for the future, a hope that says, maybe there's a new life. Maybe there's areas of my life that can be transformed and made new. Father, I pray for anybody who feels like they are growing weary of, of doing good. People who are getting tired trying to maintain their container. Father, I pray that you would fill us this morning. Fill us with your Spirit. It's not our job to maintain that composure but it's you working in us that brings new life. So Father, I pray you'd fill us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. 
I want to ask you this morning as well, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've never invited the Spirit of God to walk with you, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Maybe you've been away from God for a long time and you feel like you want to come back this morning and ask Him into your life again. While everybody's eyes are still closed, I want to just invite you to raise your hand to say, that's you, so I know who we're praying for. And then one of our teams is going to follow up with you after the service, pray with you, help you follow Jesus. Maybe you're online, maybe you're here in person. If that's you, if you want to invite Jesus into your life this morning, I'd ask you to just lift your hand up and one of our team is going to pray with you after the service. Fantastic. All right. Well, while we're in that place, we're going to sing again, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. He's good. Amen. Amen.